The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we've all heard the media reports about cult leaders causing tremendous harm to their followers. That's not the kind of false prophecy we're going to be talking about today. Prophecy is truth-telling with regard to the nature of the divine and the self. False prophecy is lying with regard to the nature of the divine and the self. We all have false prophets within us, and today we're going to differentiate the false from the true prophets within us. Where are we lying to ourselves with regard to the nature of the divine and the self? For to the degree that which we, to which we are lying to ourselves... That's the degree to which we lack clear direction, clear guidance about our own lives. So you want to be here for this whole show. Don't miss any of it. So prophecy. Generally speaking, when we hear the word prophecy today, we think of future forecasting, uh, telling something that's going to happen in the future. But that was not the original definition of prophecy. A prophecy was a revelation a a divine revelation, something that came to us as new knowledge and it was revealed to us, to the psyche, to the heart, to the mind, uh, by direct revelation from the divine. Uh, That's why we call uh, Moses a prophet. That's why we called uh, uh, Muhammad a prophet. That's why we call these people prophets was because they were truth tellers and they told the truth as it was revealed to them by the divine. So, when we're talking about uh, truth-telling, we can think in terms of external or internal. When we look at the false prophets in the external world um, and we see how they've misled people and we see the people who've been harmed by it, we know that they got something confused. Either they outright lied or they got themselves so confused with misinformation that they misled both themselves and other people. But something went mightily awry because that was a false prophecy. Uh, it isn't true that people should drink the Kool-Aid and die to maintain, to maintain their, uh, their uh, place in heaven or their place in a, a group or a cult. So it isn't, also isn't true when we tell ourselves that we're separate from the divine. And yet that's a prophecy. That's a, that's a false prophecy that's been passed down to us from generations upon generations. Um, and so we have believed that we are separate from the divine and that we uh, must find a way to get back connected to the divine and that and that uh, sin keeps us from connecting to the divine and therefore we have to seek forgiveness in order to be a part of the divine. And um, there are other beliefs and, and uh, you know, some of those indicate that we are one with the divine. 
And uh, those beliefs tend to give us peace. They tend to keep us from having to strive after some kind of goal to be a worthy of God's love uh, or the divine's love. So we have a lot of false prophecy about who the divine is that's out there and it's believed by many, many people because it is the based in a duality trance state that's been passed down since the beginning of time. So I want to be clear, I'm not talking specifically about any one religion. I'm talking about the, the belief that we're separate from the divine. And that's one of the major false prophecies that we all tend to believe, not because of any one religion, but because we all have been living in a duality trance state since the beginning of time. Um, and if you want to hear more about that, there's a couple of other shows that you can go back and look at in my archives that are called Duality or Dualism. And uh, you can you can learn more about that in those shows. But for today, I want to talk about what it's like for us to tell the truth to ourselves or to tell a lie to ourselves. Generally speaking, we don't generally know when we're lying. We, we will tell ourselves a lie and make ourselves believe it, and we will believe it until it creates consequences that we see and can feel and can touch, and we can then go, oh my gosh, I've been lying to myself all along. That's when we begin to see that we've lied to ourselves. Many people can look back on bad marriages when they saw at the beginning of the marriage that really they devoted themselves to someone who they knew was going to be uh, abusive to them in some kind of way or, or they knew was going to be unfaithful to them in some kind of way or they knew was not going to be able to be mature enough to be a partner in a relationship. So we look back on those things and we go, yeah, I knew that. Well, well then why didn't we behave out of it? Well, because that's... That's because we lied to ourselves. We lied to ourselves and we told our, gave ourselves a false prophecy. We thought that the, the feeling of being in love was a revelation from the divine that told us that we should marry this person. And yet we can be in love with Mr. and Ms. Wrong. Um, as we can see, if we look back at our lives, if we look at other people's lives, we definitely see that it is absolutely possible to fall in love with the wrong person. We can't. We have trouble understanding that because when we fall in love, it, it seems to be magical to us. It seems that we are uh, we are allowing ourselves to finally invest in something that feels very soulful, very uh, authentic. Uh, it feels very right. That's what people say. Well, this is the rightest thing I've ever done. And yet, when we look at the reality of what this person, how this person treats us or how this person interacts with other people, or the value differences between us, or the compatibility issues between us. We know that it's not working, but we don't want to see that. All we want to do is stay in that place where we feel the in-love feeling that seems to us to be magic, and magic seems to come from the supernatural or the divine. So we believe in that, and we refuse to look at what else is happening around us. And so we're lying to ourselves. We're being false prophets to ourselves. What false prophecy does more than anything else is it keeps us from looking at uh, our own intuition and our own discernment, our own powers to discern reality. It may even keep us from looking at what we really absolutely want in a relationship. And that's why I encourage people when they come to me for therapy to, to make a list of the things that they want in a partner and to refuse to settle for anything less. Um, and sometimes that list can be lengthy, but, uh, and I've had clients come in and read me their lists and say, you think this is okay? <laughs> and, and my response to that is, if it's okay with you, it's okay with me. You know, we, we're, I'm not going to marry this person. 
<laughs> you are. So uh, this whole idea that we can uh, generate a real idea about what we're really looking for in a partner in a very individualistic way that's specific to us and our needs and our desires and what I kind of call soul connection we're looking for is relatively new. Uh, there's a lot of people saying it, but it's a relatively new concept because uh, because for generations up until maybe 50, 100, 150 years ago, we married people because we should, because it was set up for us, because it was arranged by a parent or it was arranged by a dowry or it was arranged by um, a, uh, a sort of civil court or it was arranged by uh, uh, the generation ahead of us, behind us, I mean. So when we're, when we're speaking about love, this whole thing is a very new area of, of endeavor for us. We haven't always married the people we fell in love with. So well, only within the past 150 years, I would say, and that's a rough estimate, have we uh, begun to marry people that we were in love with. And so we don't really know how we're doing that. And that's why we have such a high divorce rate right now, because we have so much false prophecy going on about the nature of relationship and what we can anticipate. Uh, We fall in love. And like I said, we believe that's sort of a divine instruction to go ahead and marry this person or commit to this person in some kind of way. And we do that. And then we look back years later and go, well, I knew that he was going to be abusive or she was going to be abusive. I knew that he or she lacked the maturity to be a real partner. I knew that uh, they were gambling. I knew that they were using drugs. I knew, I knew, I knew. I knew these things. But I didn't pay attention to them because I was in love. And I will very commonly work with someone in an abusive situation where they've been physically abused, even put in the hospital by a partner. And um, so when I ask the question, which is an inevitable, an inevitable question uh, to ask in these scenarios, you, uh, you really do have to know why they stay. I never say, why haven't you left? Because that sounds accusatory. But I do say, why do you stay? What is it you, you find here in this relationship that makes you stay? Very commonly, they say, well, I'm still in love. As if that's the, the prophet they should listen to. Not the reality that they've been put in the hospital. Not the reality that they'll probably go home to this person tonight and maybe get in another argument and maybe get beat up again. Let's don't look at that. Let's look at the fact that we're in love. Uh, so you see, these, these things that seem to have a magic to us seem to take on a divine caricature. Falling in love seems to be something that takes on that divine car- caricature. So it's a, being in love is a God thing. you know, And... And because it, because it comes to us out of the unconscious, and that's what makes it interesting. We fall in love. When we fall in love, it falls on us from the unconscious. That's why we call it falling in love. It's not something we can choose to do, uh, which also, you know, really does put the kibosh on all of these people that say that uh, the GLBT population has chosen to be in a relationship with someone of the same sex uh, uh, or someone with the same gender, and they uh, so it, it can't really be true that that we choose that people choose that because if they do, then falling in love is a chosen act. But most people think of the GLBT issues as sexual, not of coming from the heart. 
So GLBT issues uh, are those issues that make us have to know that falling in love is not is something that comes out of the unconscious. It's not something we can choose, and and therefore. That's an immediate kind of reflection of our reality, if we can look at it that way, that says um, falling in love is something that happens to us. It's not something we can create or choose. Therefore, it takes on a magical power, and it seems to say that something otherworldly is happening, something other than my conscious experience is happening. Therefore, it must be God. And or the divine, and we therefore assume all kinds of magical powers, and we look only at that, and that's a false prophet. So that's what I'm talking about with regard to false prophet. It's a prophecy, and I wanted to give that as a very immediate example because it helps us understand what I mean by an internal false prophet. We have other information available to us, but we're not looking at it because we've given this thing of falling in love so much magical power. And this whole thing of magic is, is, is part of what I want to say about false prophecy. Um, in my belief, and this is just my belief, uh, the law of attraction as we came to understand it is a false prophecy because it tells us we can bargain with the universe to get what we want if we think only positive thoughts and do only positive things and if we make a vision board and if we keep our focus on the positive, then we will have everything that we want. And the, the universe just doesn't operate that way. The universe doesn't operate out of our puny little if-thens. And so it's a false prophecy because it leads us to believe that we can have whatever we want as long as we, we eschew the negative and, and, and make sure we're always thinking positive thoughts. And all that does is make us repress negative energy um, and so that we don't, uh, we don't know, to the, know that it's there. So it just goes into the un- unconscious and sits there in festers until it comes up in some other way that we don't understand. And then it comes up and we go, why did I do that? That was such a negative thing to do. I've got to repress that again and push it away so that I can be positive, so that I can have what I want. The universe is not sitting around waiting for us to think correctly. Uh, the universe already has thoughts correctly, and we're a part of that. We're one with that, and that's the true prophecy. That The true prophecy is that we are one with the universe. We are one with the divine, so we can't attract anything. It's already always ours. That's the true prophecy. So pro- false prophecy can come in lots of different ways. It can come to us from the external, but we have to believe it in the internal in order for it to really be a false prophecy for us. So what we do inside of us is the kind of prophecy that I'm talking about today. And when we attribute magic to something, we are, we are at serious risk of, of, of pro- falsely prophesying to ourselves. Um, w- when I say being in love is, is so magical that it just doesn't, um, it, uh, you know, I, 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 that's the thing I have to follow. Now, am I saying that we don't have the capacity to create uh, realities for ourselves? No, I'm not saying that. We create all kinds of different realities. I've certainly looked back at my life and see that I have created whole new lifetimes um, at various points in my life. And so, but I I wouldn't say that happened because of some kind of magical thinking. And matter matter of fact, it happened because I was prophesying in truth to myself. I was looking very clearly at reality. I was not pretending things were true that were false. Um, so, is it possible that magic exists on the earth? Sure. I, I mean, I definitely think that we, we have the capacity to create all kinds of realities. 
But when we get into magical thinking, that's another term. And what that means is that we have a capacity to, to tell ourselves things that are false and make them seem true to us. And that's the false prophecy. So if I'm lying to myself about reality, about how I really feel about someone or something, about my own intuition, about my own discernment, if I'm lying to myself, then I am giving myself poor direction. Um, we tend to think that guidance only comes from without us. We, we look to other people to kind of tell us what to do. Sometimes we look to our parents and they tell us what to do and we think, well, they know because they're older. Um, or maybe we don't look to our parents and we look to our friends or we look to books or we look to spiritual leaders or we look to someone else to tell us what to do. But actually, even when we're looking to somebody else, we still make the final decision. So all guidance is self-guidance. Let me say that again. All guidance is self-guidance. And if we're guiding ourselves through, the, through magical thinking or through lying to ourselves or through what I call false prophecy, then we are going to have bad direction. We're going to make poor choices and we're going to look back over a life of, of poor choices at some point. So uh, hopefully we will wake up at some point and realize they were poor, poor choices. And at that point, we have another opportunity to prophesy truly to ourselves so that we can hear the divine within us speaking and and follow the reality of the divine uh, truth that we see clearly. Um, I've, I've heard people say with regard to marriage, well, you know, yes, it's true that we don't love each other, but we have children now, and so God is going to make us love each other again. I've literally heard people say that, um, and uh, uh, what they mean is that I'm going to sit here and do nothing, and I'm going to attribute this all to the universe, to God, to the divine, whatever you call that, and I'm going to and I'm going to uh, hope for the best. It's going to work out because I can't get divorced because I don't either. I don't believe in divorce. I think divorce is wrong, or I think that my children will suffer as a result of divorce. And what I want to say about children suffering is that I can't even say how many children I've worked with over the years who come to me and say. I am so freaking glad that my parents got divorced. They were horrible to each other and they were not good for me as parents while they were married to each other and it's just so much better now. So, you know, we have this theory about broken homes that children who come from broken, uh, the children who are children of parents who are divorced are now living in a broken home. And I've had so many children say to me, you know, my home was broken before we got a divorce and now it's fixed. Um, So... There's, a, there's some new definitions coming around about what a broken home actually is, and I think those will get more and more attention over the years as we, as we deal with this whole new thing that we're having to deal with as a society about what it means to have a, 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 a new family dynamic that's based more in truth than in false prophecy. Um, so uh, these examples that I'm giving that have to do with our everyday life don't seem to have much to do with the divine, and yet the divine is in our everyday life. And so we need to pay attention to what's going on with those things and, and, and really tune in to how we will put pieces together of our lives that are actually true. The puzzles pieces match instead of trying to glue and paste and pound puzzle pieces into place that aren't really true. And in so doing, we will move away from uh, false prophecy and into more true prophecy. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more.
The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back and the first thing I want to tell you about is the upcoming Super Soul Sunday show on September the 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific Time in which Oprah is going to sit down and talk with LinkedIn CEO Jeff Weiner about what it means to live with compassion while finding meaning in your work. So Jeff, uh, these interesting people that she's having on her show really have something very spiritual and very practical simultaneously to offer us. So we're talking today about false prophecy. And we said at the beginning of the show that uh, that false prophecy means lying to ourselves with regard to the nature of the divine and the self. So I want to talk a little bit about the nature of the divine and the self uh, so that we can understand what it means to uh, falsely prophesy to ourselves about that. In two ways, we, fa- we can get false information about the divine. When we listen only to the external, in other words, churches... Uh, mosques, temples, uh, gurus, imams, pastors, whatever, who just tell us this is what God is like and we just buy that without ever looking inside to see if that matches what we see the divine as, that's a false prophecy. It's not a false prophecy because somebody's lying to us in the external. It's a false prophecy because we're not looking inside ourselves for the truth about how we, 
what we receive from the divine, what we can experience of the divine. Spirituality is an experience. It's not listening to someone else and having them tell us what we're supposed to think about that. It's, uh, that, that is not a spiritual experience. It might be a religious experience, but it's not a spiritual experience, and there's a difference. So spirituality wants us to look on the inside and find out what we believe about, uh, about the divine, what we experience of the divine, not just what we believe in our heads, but what we experience of the divine in our everyday lives, in our, uh, uh, in our prayer life, in our meditation life, in our walk, in our spiritual walk, in our practices such as labyrinth work or or healing work, or uh, Reiki, or other kinds of practices. What is our experience with the divine? What is our experience of the divine? We don't, you know, if we if we meet someone new, and we don't trust our own experience of that person, but we listen only to other people who gossip about that person, then we're not going to get a true experience of who that person actually is. We're not gonna. Uh, we're not gonna know who that person actually is because we haven't really experienced them. All we've done is listen to other people and their experience of them, or their having listened to another person and bought it. So uh, it's the same with the divine. Unless we experience uh, some kind of dynamic with the divine, some kind of 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 rich, deep connection with the divine, then we don't. Have an, we don't know who the divine is, and therefore we falsely prophesy to ourselves about the nature of the divine. But when we experience the divine firsthand, then we can have something we can utilize to, to tell ourselves the truth of the nature of the divine, because we've experienced it firsthand. Uh, and, and the same is true of an experience of the self. If I experience myself only in the mirror others provide for me, you know, what others think of me, whether they're being critical or whether they're being overly praising or whatever they're saying about me is based on their own perception of me and it doesn't necessarily come from me. So my experience of myself is going to tell me the truth of, of my experience of myself. And when we get down to really experiencing the self, what we, what we very commonly find, and the people who've really done this work of really getting down to the base line, the underpinnings of the self, what they find is there is a oneness between the self and the divine. Now, I can experience all kinds of things about myself based in what other people think, and this is the mystery of experiencing the self, that I can, that I can see myself through other people's eyes. I can look in the mirror and think that I'm fat when I'm skinny. I'm looking right in the mirror, but I'm looking through the lenses of someone who is self-critical. How did I learn to be so self-critical that I would inform myself of a body image I don't have? Well, I've adopted other people's ideas about what should happen with my body, what my body should look like. And there's a lot of that going around uh, with people saying, this is, this is the model uh, body form. This is what it looks like. For women, it's, you know, uh, uh, small to very large breast size with a small waist and smaller hip, uh, small hips and, and nice calves and all that. And for men, it's the six-pack. Um, so this is what a man or a woman is supposed to look like. And if you don't, well, you're not good enough. You're not worthy in some kind of way. And when people measure their worthiness by body image, that's a short stick to measure yourself by. 
So when we're doing that, what we're doing is we may be looking in the mirror, but we're still looking through other people's eyes. And that's the trickery that can happen when we're trying to find out who we are and that what is the nature of the self, that we can look at ourselves through the eyes of other people, through lenses that other people put over our eyes so that we only see what they want us to see. We believed those people were right, and so we gave them the power to define us. And in so doing, we lost touch with who we actually are. And that process is very, very common. In fact, it starts as early as identity when we're infants and toddlers. And I've done a whole other shows about the formation of identity, so I'm not going to get into a lot of that right now. But I do want to say that it is very possible for us to misguide ourselves about the nature of who we are based on what other people say. I work with a lot of people who, whose entire lives are run by guilt, that guilt is the thing that makes them do everything they do, because if they don't do it, they might feel guilty later. I have to go do this now because, uh, you know, I'm going to feel really bad later if I don't do it. I'm going to feel like a bad person, um, and that runs their lives, and that is a false premise about the self, because what it says is, I should put others first, and and it's false because it's not possible for us to put others first. There is no first or second. There is no third or fourth. There is no, There are no uh, uh, linear numerical patterns for existence. That's, uh, that's a false prophecy. What is true is that we are all equal. And, and the power to love self is just as important and just as valid as power to love other people. In fact, we don't really love other people until we love the self. And I don't mean that we can't love other people. We do, we do have a natural love down there, uh, in, way down deep in the authentic self for other people that's just there for us. And it, it just is a connection we can actually feel if we let ourselves feel it. But if I'm so eat up with guilt, I'm not acting out of that love. I'm acting out of guilt. I'm not responding to my grandmother's phone call today uh, to go mow her lawn because I really want to, because I feel compassion for her, or I feel passion and I want to go be with her and spend some time with her. I'm not doing that out of desire, which is holy. I'm doing that out of uh, guilt, which is false prophecy. So, you know, we can mislead ourselves and we can think, well, being, feeling guilty is a good feeling, right? I should feel guilty because that, that leads me to do the right thing. That's what a lot of people think, and it's because a lot of people have taught that. That guilt is a good thing. It teaches us to do the right thing. Um, but what guilt actually does is teach us to do the fake thing. It teaches us to do the plastic thing. It refuses to allow us to go deeper and find the compassionate thing, the passionate thing. The thing we desire to do, what, what we've been taught is that if we touch, tap into our desires, then they're going to be all about us, that all we really care about deep down inside is ourselves. That's false. That's a false prophecy about the nature of the self because it tells us that uh, we don't have a soul. We don't have a need to connect with other people. We don't have a deep, rich, uh, uh, abiding, uh, informative love for other people. We don't have that. We we're just really selfish and basically bad people. And that's been passed down to us since the beginning of time, since the duality trans-state first started at, the, at what I call the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is a metaphorical example of how we all got in this place in the first place. So uh, this, this whole idea that we can't trust ourselves 
to actually perform well, to do right by other people if we go down inside and find out what's leading us inside of us. We can't do that because that will mislead us. That is one of the worst of our false prophecies because it tells us that the self can't be trusted at all. The only thing that can be trusted is the external leadership that's out there telling us what we should have to, ought to, and are obligated to do. Uh, so those, those false prophecies are, are very misleading. So we can mislead ourselves by looking through the lenses that other people have given us. We can mislead ourselves by listening to the, the ideas that other people give us. And uh, those two methods are primary to how we get in trouble with, in terms of false prophecy. Uh, we, we, don't, uh, we don't experience the self. So how does one go about experiencing the self? Well, meditation is my first go-to with regard to experiencing both the self and the divine. And that I'm going to really sort of always put that, that thing first because I believe that silencing the mind, and I don't mean stopping your thoughts when I say silencing the mind. I mean being present with your thoughts, whatever they're doing, and just let that be, to just let that be what it is. And, and, and what we do then is we develop a presence and a capacity to be present with ourselves. And in, in that, the self begins to reveal itself to us. So it's kind of like sitting down with a child and just sitting down with the child and doing what the child's doing for a little while. You know, people tell me all the time, I don't know how to really connect with my children. And I go, what do they, what do, they do? Where do they play? And they say, well, they play on the living room floor. And I go, well, sit down on the living room floor with them and just do what they do. And they'll begin to open up to you and they'll begin to show you who they are. Why? Because you're being present with them. You're really being present with them. You're mirroring back to them what they say. When they laugh, you laugh. When they make a, a, do something silly with the train track on the floor, then you do it back. Um, you're, you're, you're allowing them to be authentic people at that moment because you're mirroring, mirroring them and they begin to open up more and tell you more about who they are. Um, and, and when we don't do that, when we're not present with our children, they tend to hide who they are both from themselves and from us. And then we get, ultimately, we get teenagers who don't know who they are, who don't know how to tell us who they are, who don't know how to talk to us, who don't know how to be present with themselves and, um, and get themselves in a lot of trouble that way. So, um, you know, sitting down with someone to just be present with them is one of the best ways for us to get to know them. And uh, when, we, when we don't do that, we, get to, we don't get to know them. All we have to go on is our own perceptions. So someone is grieving. If we sit down with that person and just be with them in their grief, um, if they want to be held, we can hold them. If they don't want to be held, we don't hold them. If they want to talk, we listen. If they don't want to talk, we sit silently beside them. What we're doing is mirroring where they are right now. We're being very present with them. And we can do that same thing inside of ourselves with meditation. We can just be present with our own thoughts and emotions as they rise up and, and let them just be. And so we're conscious of them, but we're not operating out of them. And, uh, and that process is, is self-revealing. What happens is we begin to get a sensation, either in the body or the spirit, that, that informs us more of who the self is. And we also connect to the divine in the same way. We, 
if we sit in the presence of the divine uh, without judging our own thoughts and our own body sensations and our own emotions that come up, if we sit there and just let it be what it is, what begins to happen is there's a softening of that stuff that isn't true and a, an enhancing of the stuff that is true. And we begin to get clearer. And that's why people talk about getting downloads of information from the divine. We get a revelation. We get a prophecy from the divine that says, you know, some truth about ourselves, about our lives. People get ideas about what they want to do next for their next project. They get ideas about how to solve a problem. They get ideas about who they are and who the divine is. They get all kinds of clarity by just being in a meditative state for a little while. So I strongly recommend meditation as one of the best ways to get involved uh, and understand the nature of the divine and the self from a true capacity rather than through false prophecy. Um, and and uh, another way is to be present with our own desires. Um, in the Hebrew text of the Bible, of the, Old Te- of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament or the Jewish Tanakh, uh, there's a breakdown of the words uh, that are that are the root le- words for the word uh, Jehovah, and the bottom line breakdown, the bottom line root word for Jehovah is desire. So, so if we think of our desires as a a manifestation of the divine, then we need to be present with those. Being present with our desires is a real clear way to be able to to recognize ourselves in the mirror and to follow those. Yet, we've been taught by the false prophecy and we've believed our own internal false prophecy that we should not pay attention to our desires. They're, they make us selfish. They tell us that you know we want what we want when we want it in there, and we're going to become these selfish people who don't care about other people at all. Um, that that tendency is uh, uh, one that will to to ignore our own desires is one that will lead us into further false prophecy. So we need to pay attention to our desires, be present with them, and let them take some leadership, so that we. The desire begins to boil up in our face, and we begin to not be able to refuse it, what it wants. And that's, those are soul desires. I'm not talking about, um, you know, compulsions. I'm talking about something that comes up deep from the soul because we've found it in meditation and we've found it in our daily routine. And that being present with those desires will lead us to a true prophecy. They don't mislead us. They tell us the truth, and they begin to open our lives up to expand us into the people we could be if we only were listening to true prophecy. So we're going to talk some more about prophecy and false prophecy uh, right after the break, so stay tuned for the rest of the show. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. 
author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Did you know that how you are feeling makes perfect sense when you look at it through the eyes of an energy healer? Join Ariel Hardy for Energetically Speaking, a show that will help you to understand what your energy field looks like and how to maintain its balance. With over 20 years of experience as an energy healer, Ariel now shares her secrets of how she stays connected to heaven and earth through challenging times. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's important to know as energetic beings how to feel grounded and healthy. We strive to help teach about the energetics within you and the world around you. Listen for Three Petals Healing with host Lauren Dillon Merrill. Through her experience and that of her guests, Lauren will bring you the support, encouragement, and knowledge to discover this every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. So we've been talking today about false prophets and what it means to uh, falsely prophesy to ourselves. We said at the outset that we weren't going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, the cult leaders who caused harm to their followers because that's, that's hyped up in the media enough. We don't need to talk about that. We all shake our heads about that in dismay and we wonder how it was that people would have believed these false prophets. And that's the question we can ask ourselves as well when it comes to false prophecy. How is it? that we're believing things that aren't true. Uh, The thing is that we're responsible. We're 100% responsible for our own lives. Nobody else is. So no matter what they tell us, no matter what they say to us, no matter how guilty they may try to make us feel, no matter how manipulative they are, we're still responsible for making the decisions in our lives, for getting clarity and clear guidance from our internal worlds in order to manage our lives. And it's when we begin to listen to the internal world and look at the true nature of the divine and the true nature of the self that we get clear guidance and we begin to have healthier, happier lives. Um, And we, uh, we can actually begin to define ourselves as who we are instead of who the world thinks we are or who we think we ought to be or an image we have decided we should live into or any of those false premises. So anything we're living into that isn't about the truest nature of who we are means that we're following a false prophecy within ourselves. Um, and that the idea of, of, of 
lying to ourselves is not something we talk a whole lot about. I mean, we're ashamed of it. When we finally figured out that we have not told the truth to ourselves in some kind of way, we're ashamed to tell somebody, yeah, I knew that. I hear it in therapy, but I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm, I'm operating out of confidentiality. Uh, but uh, typically, we don't go around telling other people about our mistakes in, in how we falsely led ourselves uh, to bad decisions. But we, we know it. We know deep down inside that we've done some things that aren't really true. We, we um, get involved with partners who aren't true to who we are. We take jobs because we're desperate for money rather than because we really are following some true lead. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when you're desperate for money when you should take a job. Then taking a job would not be a wrong move. But I'm saying sometimes we build our whole careers out of that. Um, so when we get when we one of the biggest false leaderships that we get is this whole concept of wrong and right you know there's a right way to do something and there's a wrong way to do something and if you're doing it the way everybody says you ought to be doing it uh, everybody being that amorphous they um, then we're then you're doing the right thing even though for all practical purposes it could be completely off for you could be completely the the quote wrong thing for you to do so uh so we need to be able to look inside ourselves um and and stay with that enough to to self-guide we can look at our intuition we can look at our discernment and the difference between those is the difference between internal and external Uh, intuition is just a feeling that that you know something it's just you just know something don't know how you know it, but you know it, and you're sure you know it, and it turns out to be right every time. On the other hand, if we second-guess our intuition and put our minds in gears and go, you shouldn't think that way about people, or you shouldn't feel that way, or you, you know, that's not a nice thing to think about somebody, or any of those ways of talking ourselves out of it, what we're actually doing is falsely prophesying to ourselves. That's how we mislead ourselves. So intuition comes up and says, ooh, I have a creepy feeling about that guy who wants to go out with me. And we tell ourselves, oh, that's not nice. You can't judge somebody. That's rude to judge somebody. So just stop doing that. And we go out with him and he tries to rape us. Okay. Uh, We had the creepy feeling. We didn't pay attention to it. We talked ourselves out of it because we falsely prophesied to ourselves. So that's kind of an example of intuition. On the other hand, discernment is observatory. It observes what's going on both in the external world and in the internal world simultaneously. It says, this is what you're doing. I see you doing it. And this is how I feel about what you're doing. I don't like it or I do like it. It matches my values. It doesn't match my values. It's something I can live with. It's something I can't live with. That's, that's what discernment will do for us. And when we put intuition and discernment together in the same room, they offer us great guidance. But when we operate out of, I don't want to know that, so I'm just not going to know it. Or I think I'm bad for knowing that, so I, I'm just not going to know it. In, in the South, one of the things that a lot of people say is, this is terrible for me to say, but and what they really mean is, I feel guilty for having this knowledge, but it's really knowledge. It's knowledge that came up to them out of, the, out of their gut, 
and it, it informed them of something that they needed to know, but they feel bad about knowing it because we shouldn't know these bad things about people. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we can get when we are highly intuitive is we do see the darkness. We see the light, but we also see the darkness. And for us to say we don't see it is to lie to ourselves. Uh, and, and one of the things that's happened in the New Age, New Thought, new, uh, Human Potential movements, all, all three of those different movements, uh, is that we're supposed to see the God in people. And yeah, that is true. I think, you know, we can definitely see the God in people. But that doesn't mean we can't also see the other, the human in people or the, 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 the darkness in people. We, we, if, we, if we miss that, we're liable to get ourselves in a lot of trouble just because we're trying hard to be good people who only see the God in people. That's another one of those mythologies that I mentioned earlier that has to do with the law of attraction. If we only see the good in people, then we'll only have good people in our lives. Well, we could be seeing the good in people while they're robbing us. We could be seeing the good in people while they're stealing our identities. We could see the good in people while they beat us up. We can see the good in people while they lie to us. Do you see what I'm saying? The point is that we, that, you know, we, if we're not paying attention, we're responsible for that. That other person is not responsible. When it's all is said and done, we, we get ourselves into a victim identity by saying, they treated me so badly. When, if we really are honest with ourselves, very commonly we knew what was going on and we just refused to let ourselves know we knew. And so, you know, we're responsible for that. They're not. Our, our leadership comes from within. It doesn't come from without. And we can't hold other people accountable for our refusal to see what's going on right in front of our faces. Um, other, we are accountable for that. We are responsible for that. So... Uh, rather than talking ourselves out of, uh, of our feelings and our gut reactions and our discernments about people, uh, we need to own those. We need to claim those as, as guidance, the internal guidance. We have this very cool, very wise internal guidance system that we tend to ignore because we've been taught not to look inside. Why have we been taught to look inside? Because of the false prophecy that says, when you look inside, all you're going to find there is bad stuff, so stay out of there. Look outside of you and you'll get some good leadership from the Pope and from the pastor and from the imam and from the guru and from the, you know, whoever your leader is. You'll get some good guidance from them because they know what they're talking about. But don't look inside yourself because if you do, you're going to find bad stuff in there. And that's, again, that old belief that, that we are separate from the divine because we're bad people and the divine is good. And so we're bad. And and that that's what I was talking about at the beginning of this segment, that whole idea that, that something is right or something is wrong is one of the most misleading of our false prophecies. Uh, what I found by looking back at my own life is that the things that I did that I look back on now and I could judge and say that was wrong of me to do have been some of my greatest teachers. Do I regret doing some of those things? Yes. That doesn't mean I couldn't learn from it. That doesn't mean that it's not a part of my path. So what we think of as, oh, that's a bad thing and I shouldn't have done that, uh, you know, sometimes maybe if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have evolved into the place we are today. Um, marrying the wrong person sometimes helps us figure out who we are at a deeper level so that we can later uh, not only marry the right person uh, or the person that's better for us, but... Uh, 
but also it can help us get to know ourselves at a deeper level and take greater responsibility for our uh, power to create relationships. Um, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying that, well, if you just want to go kill somebody, go do it. Or if you want to go slam somebody, uh, you know, up against a wall and take their money, then do it. I'm not saying that. And that's what people tend to hear. Oh, well, you're just telling us we can go willy-nilly and do whatever we want. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the pathway that we take has some power to get us to another place. Maybe, maybe in this life, maybe in another life down the road, but it has some power to get us where we're going because the divine is always pulling on us from the inside. The self is always pulling on us from the, on the inside and saying, you know, I want you to know me. I want to, I want to, to exist in your life. I want to fulfill you. I want to, to be, occupy every space of your body and mind. I want to be. Um, but when we live out of false prophecy, what we do is we push the self away, hide it in the closet, and we say, let me be something else that will be more pleasing to other people. And then we, then we wonder why it is we feel so lost and alone. Well, we've, we've sent away the one thing that we actually can own, which is the self. And so we don't have our, our, our false prophecy there is that that's a good thing to do. It's good for us to send the self away because the self is bad and selfish. Um, people t- use the word selfless to describe some people that are supposed to be saint-like. Uh, they're such selfless people. For me, that means that they don't have a self. And if I don't have a self, then who am I? And if I'm not here to be who, who, I, who I was created to be, then what am I doing here? Um, I came here as me, so why should I shove that in the closet to be something that pleases you? That's, that's a false prophecy. And yet many, 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 many of us live out of that false prophecy. And, 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 and so that's considered to be the right thing to do. Um, so when we're thinking in terms of right and wrong, we have forgotten how to think in terms of true and false. We're not thinking in terms of that's a true thing for me, that really matches me, that resonates with me, that feels like me. What we're doing is saying, no, there's an external right and an external wrong, and I should find that line and walk it. And somebody else has designed this for me, and they were right, so there you go. That's all I need to know. I don't have to think about this any deeper. I don't have to explore my internal uh, resonance with it. I don't have to... um, uh, pay attention to anything other than what somebody else said I ought to do, how somebody else said I should behave. Uh, and, and so that idea that I just feel so bad about this, but let me tell you what I feel so bad about. <laughs> you know, what the, what, what the idea is, is it's wrong for me to feel this, but I do feel it. And at least there's a recognition that you feel it, so that's good. But, uh, or that's a real, uh, that's a major step, but it's not if we're going to take our, that out of the picture when it comes to making our decisions, if we're going to say, well, I shouldn't feel that way, so I'm going to act differently than what I feel, then we're following false prophecy. So uh, this whole concept of things being right and wrong is an externalized idea that we probably should put on a shelf to figure out what's true and false within us first, and then we can go back to what we think is right and wrong and decide whether or not either one of those have resonance with us and whether or not we can live in that space of what what other people say is right and wrong. Then we'll be following a true prophecy instead of a false prophecy. 
So if we want to be true prophets, if we want to get the revelation from the divine, meditation is definitely one of the things I recommend. Following our desires is another. Putting away wrong and right is another one. And, and, and pulling out the whole idea of true and false is another. These are ways that we can actually get in touch with who we are and find the true nature of the divine and the true nature of the self, which allows us to stop being false prophets and become true prophets to ourselves. So that's our show for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.